Wednesday, January 16th. Welcome on back. Hump day or humo day as it's known in here, thanks to one God-blessed typographical error that haunts us to this day. It is really good to have you here, and we got a big football game Saturday night to talk about, and I've got a big guest to talk about it with. This all came together very last minute. He didn't even have time to make the thumbnail. I'm going to have to make a Guy Haberman-themed thumbnail a little bit later on this afternoon at some point in time because not only, along with being a play-by-play talent on Pac-12 Network, and an all-around good guy, no pun intended there. He is half of one of, I think, the greatest Bay Area sports shows of all time, Habercoff. Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff, sans the Middlecoff. Oh, Guy, it's been a long time. Hey, Bruce. Guy, how are you doing? When was the last time we did anything together? It was a long time ago. The last thing, that I, I was trying to think, when's the last time we did something on air together? I don't know. I, don't know. I know the last time I attempted to do something on air with you. And that was right before Ratto and I got put together. Um, Nahagian has me in his office and he's like, so what about Ray Ratto? And look, I love Ray. Ray and I went on to have great success together. We buried another station. We did very, very well together. But before I was sold on Ray, I'm like, hey, let's, let's give Guy Haberman a call. See what he's doing. And I didn't think you were going to leave John because the two of you got something special. You're real life friends, not just work friends. Um, but I said, let's give him a call. And this was years ago, before Ray and I even started together. And Nahagian said, Haberman says he's doing so well independently and he needs flexibility for his play-by-play work. He's not interested. And that's like the first time where I really started thinking, well, maybe there is something to like being independent on YouTube, having your own podcast. And and needless to say, all these years later, you've been quite a source of inspiration and direction for me. So um, I'm sorry that that didn't work out, but here we are finally doing the show together. <laughs> and it's not, and, and, and you're getting all the ad, all, all the ad revenue goes directly to you, except after Google takes it's 40% or whatever, but they, all the rest of it goes directly in your pocket. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I tell you, you know, someday the money will be right again. But in the meantime, I've never had more fun just behind a microphone. It's it's yeah. total independence. And God, you look at, you know, guy. I saw this today. We, I, I I I didn't even think we were going to talk about this. Just popped in my mind the story that the NFL might be a business partner with ESPN in terms of a a partial ownership uh, a role for Disney, ABC, and the NFL together. I mean, that's Korean state television at that point. How are you going to cover? something that owns you. You can't do that independently, which is going to make an independent source of journalism. Like, I mean, small case journalism here, what you and I do, but it's going to make what we do, I think, more valuable than ever before. I remember talking to somebody who works in the NFL several years ago, and they were asking me, they're just getting my, we're just talking about like team, team websites, team reporters, you know? And I said, um, you know, the teams that figure out a way Obviously, you can't be in your own building and be critical of your team in the way that you can if you're independent or you know a traditional media company. But the teams that figure out a way not to just feed their fans only uh, the positives, right? Just all sunshine all the time. Yeah, give them a, a platform. I think I don't know exactly because I haven't studied it, but I'm pretty sure the Philadelphia Eagles do like call-in shows like they do you know which the second you start taking calls you are opening yourself up to okay are we ready to be real or not because the second you take calls and aren't real about it you get exposed 
um, you know, if you defend every Nick Sirianni decision, you know, it's like, um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, and I've thought about that from time to time because that's what I, I told this person and I, you know, good luck. And then I really thought about it. Easy for me to give that advice, much harder to execute, right. To be the team that goes, all right, we're going to actually run an independent media company from within our organization. Oh, well, is your coach going to let that person on the team charter after they said something about his fourth quarter clock management or not? Cause that's, you know, that's the fine line and it's easy for me to say it. I think it's a lot harder. Can you actually pull that off? I don't, I've thought about it a lot. That was my advice. I don't know if you can actually truly pull it off. I think you can start with the best intentions. Yeah. But at some point in time, you're going to be handed a plate of I'd rather not and you'll pass on it, right? I mean, that's, right. that's the way it'll happen. That's, yeah. that's the way it'll work. Because you have a because you you have a boss. Right? Yeah. That boss has a boss, and that boss has a boss, and they're the same boss. Hey, we'll talk about your boss, John Middlecoff, a little bit later on. But in the meantime, it's so good to see you, Guy. It really is. You and I have been covering the 49ers for a very, very long time. Together, collectively, at the same station, at different places. We've been around this team for a really long time. And I do think this is the most pressure to win it all since I've covered the team. And I've covered this team going to two Super Bowls, but it hasn't quite felt like this one because the rest, the health, the talent, the way that the playoffs and the league has broken around them, it just feels like all arrows are pointed to you better get to Las Vegas. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. There's not a scenario where you can not get to Las Vegas and be able to explain away how you lost to the Packers at home, the Bucks at home. Jared Goff at home. There's no world where that's not an anything shy of a 10 out of 10. Is DEFCON 1 the worst one? I think DEFCON 1 is the worst one. The only thing after DEFCON 1 is World War 3 itself. So, okay. Okay. So, pull out the B21s, new stealth (laughs) bombers. We we just spent $2.3 billion per bomber. I think the Air Force bought 100 of them. You're going to need them all if you lose somewhere before the Super Bowl, which, by the way, they have to win two games in a row to get to the Super Bowl. They're favored by nine against the Packers this week. Nine and a half, ten. I think they beat the Packers this week. Most people do. They're going to have the pregame on Fox, and every single little box at the bottom is going to have the Niner logo in it, right? Hopefully, Terry Bradshaw or somebody, whoever, I don't know, picks the Packers because, you know, anytime it's unanimous, it's scary. Right. But it's a lot harder to actually do what you're supposed to do. A lot of people are supposed to do things that don't get done. So they still got to go do it. And anything shy of doing it is going to be, for everything you just mentioned, they've been here before. They've been close before. It feels like Kyle Shanahan's had two shots at it now. One as a coordinator, one as a head coach. Your roster construction the cost of your roster, the age of your best players, they're all in their prime, this quarterback you fell into, the way the NFC has laid out the red carpet for you, the way that you earned the one seed and rest, and then Green Bay is coming in on a short week, back-to-back road games, and then you'll have, if you beat them, the rest advantage over the team that you play the next week at home. If you get Baltimore, you've played them already. They beat your ass, but okay, you played them. And on top of all of it, the cherry that, I can think of one person that might appreciate this cherry more than you, Damon, but you're going to be near the top of the list of people that appreciate this cherry. The Super Bowl is in the stadium that houses the Raiders. 
It's the Raiders stadium. It's their stadium. And I know they moved and you're not a rival anymore. They had to stop playing preseason games against each other. The rivalry was so violent. It's in their stadium, Larry. I, I, I mean, it's. I said to Larry earlier, sorry, Damon. I, I was just home with Larry. Right. 20 minutes ago. We went for an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, my God. So I can't. I only had time to pee people. between this, Damon. But anyway. He scooped my guest on the day that I booked my guest. Larry and I think way too much alike. Yeah, sorry. But um, they're in the same stadium, Damon. So I just. It's 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 all too perfect. And, you know, you know, when it's perfect, you start thinking about all the things that can go wrong. Right. I mean, look, conceptually, the Carolina Panthers could roll into Levi's and beat the 49ers. That's how this league works. There's no such thing as you cannot lose this game, which is why the league is so popular in the first place. Um, do you think, you know, I mean, any, any casual fan looking at like looking for a path to beat the Green Bay Packers quickly sees a run game advantage that the 49ers need to exploit? I mean, I think that the path to the NFC title game is to have a Raheem Mostert level type of afternoon where you're just running, running, running to the point where there's plenty of jokes about Brock on Monday. If he trusted his quarterback more, he would have thrown more, but I'm a big believer in stick with what works while it's working. Guy, do you think that Kyle suffers from a little too cute or too smart for his own good instead of sticking with what works, his quest to set up what might work next sort of takes him off the X marks the spot of, hey, we're moving the football. You know, there have been a few times where I've thought, I think he's being too cute here, but not a lot. I mean, it happened when he tried to put Trent Williams in motion uh, against the, was that the Rams game last year? Yeah. In short yardage. And it was like, all right, we, you know, that, that was too cute. But I think it's, um, you know, like you can't, you got to take every bit of a person's personality or skill set or, and far more often than that, when you think about the guys who have been offensive geniuses, they tend to, to err on the side of too cute, you know, and Kyle doesn't. And it's because of what, you know, you were talking about, which is he's dedicated to the run game. If you're dedicated to the run and you care most about the run and the physicality that being that type of football team is, then you care a little bit more about substance than style. Now, Kyle cares about style. He wears the joggers and the Jordans and the <laughs> Lululemon hoodies and the flat bill snapbacks. He looks good. Uh, I do, too. You do, too. We all do. Good haircuts. You know? I remember when you and I had a, a long discussion about Lululemons. Can you really rock them? Can you feel good about them? And and hopefully I, I helped bring you over to the Lulu side. Uh, you know, my issue with Lulu is only fit. Like, I, I find better fit with some other brands, but I... I, the other day, uh, I was at a press conference. Because you're quads. That's, that's the problem. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> and and Kyle was wearing a hoodie. I'm like, what is this? And everyone's like, oh, that's Lulu. It looked good. But I um, I think for the most part, he errs on the side of substance. So, yeah, sometimes they do a couple of things that's like, all right, what is this? But, but no more than anybody else. And I would say largely less than most offensive play callers who are also the head coach. So – I, that doesn't concern me with him. That does not concern me with him. Now, yes, he is playing the long game, right? Which means part of his operation every week is this is a fork, to use a cliche, but it's, it really applies to him. It's a four-quarter game, which means being tied at halftime just means we're going to be able to play our game in the second half. Or being up by a touch, only a touchdown at halftime just means these guys still have to defend our run for two more quarters. So, you know, you, you'd like to see him 
sure, be up 21 to nothing and not have to sweat it at the half against the Packers. But that goes back to trying to be, is that is that trying to be a little too cute? When he's given it to McCaffrey 13 times in the first half, no one's complaining about cute because he's just doing what you or I or any other person with a blindfold could do. Let's give the ball to Christian, maybe. Right. And it works. So, you know, let's not overthink it. Um, so, no, I, I don't, I'm not afraid of, of Shanahan being too cute. Besides the word Jordan Love, or I guess it's a name, not a word. Besides the name Jordan Love. Well, it, it is a word. But right. It, it is. They are. They love. Beside the word love. What concerns you most about the Packers? Uh, I mean, they, they, they have found their run game. Like, their running back is healthy. Their offensive line is healthy. And it has directly correlated to them winning games. And it's directly correlated to Jordan Love being really good. 23 touchdowns, one pick in the last nine. You know, uh, I, I just did a, a a listener turned into like a researcher for me, Matt. His name's Matt. And he just sent me this little research. I had him look up. And I, I'll probably do a video on it tomorrow. The one thing that Kyle is is really good against his guys. And Matt, Matt LaFleur is one of his guys. So, um, yeah, I would say the run game. Uh, but But this game to me, Damon, is a... Uh, this is a this is totally dependent on the Niners. You play your game, they can't beat you, right? The the Packers A game cannot beat your A game, and I don't think it can beat your B plus game. The Ravens A game can beat your A game, maybe, maybe not. The Packers A game only beats you if you don't play your A game, right? So I, you know, this is a game that's about the fourth. This is a game about them. Is Jordan Love going to hit a big play to Christian Watson? Probably. Okay, that happens in these games. You have to score points. The Niners over-under in this game is like 30 and a half. That's a lot of points. The yeah. Niners team-specific over-under is 30 points. So go score points. You're one of the top offense in the league. You know, I, I'm not overly concerned about, well, I, I don't know. Are they going to run the ball against the Niners? Maybe they will a little bit. That's not what – that's a problem for the Super Bowl and a problem for maybe the NFC Championship game if you get Detroit. I, and I'm not dismissive of Green Bay. I think – if you look at where the rivalries are going to be in the NFC, Green Bay all of a sudden looks like they're going to be at the top of the list, right? Yeah. We'll see. This Philly, the, one of these teams higher, Belichick, Dallas, Philly, whatever. But that's a more mature Packer team in the playoffs next year conversation, I think. I don't want to sound like I'm dismissive of them because it goes back to the beginning. Like You can, you screw it up, you can lose the game. But I, I do think they have to screw it up in order to lose the game. Um, when it comes to, I think the NFC playoffs, we see it the same way. There is no such thing as an easy path, but there are easier paths. And I think the easiest possible path that is never easy has been presented to the Niners. It's a young Packers team ahead of schedule in the divisional. And then you're going to be taking on either the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who you've already beaten this year, or you're going to be taking on the Detroit Lions. And with all due respect to how much fun they've been and how good and physical they are, Brock Purdy has more playoff wins in the last 60 years than the Detroit Lions. So I'm going to just lean on the side of Niners handling that at home. And that puts us in the Super Bowl. And I don't mean us as, as I'm in the team, oh, but just. Oh, I was, yeah. Okay. I, I, <laughs> for, for NFL.com, I'm Damon Bruce. You know, you know, I'm not one of those guys, but uh, that would put the 49ers into the Super Bowl. What is your anti-wish list in terms of opponent? How hard? G give me rank them one through four. 
want to see the least would want to see the most. I'll assume Houston Texans would be the preferred easiest to beat opponent. So now how would you stack Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore? Yeah, well, here's the thing, right? You face Houston. They look different than they look today if you're playing the Houston Texans. You're like, they went on the road and beat Baltimore, and then they went on the road and beat either Kansas City or Buffalo. Right. It would be a holy shit. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, we want the Ravens. Um, you know, in a weird way, I, I think I put the Ravens third on this list. And the reason I put the Ravens third is kind of the thinking that I just described to you, which is it's easy to look at Kansas city, like coming in the playoffs, you know, they don't really have the weapons, right? But the version of the Ravens that you see in the Super Bowl has beaten the Texans at home. And then either Buffalo or Kansas City at home, which would be really impressive. But the version of the Chiefs that you would see in the Super Bowl is a version that's gone on the road to Buffalo and won and gone on the road to Baltimore and won. So that means that they have found it on offense because their defense is good. The version of the Bills, same deal. They just beat the Chiefs. They get over on Mahomes in the playoffs. Finally, they haven't done that yet. And then they go on the road and beat Baltimore. Right? So I think... When you are a complete team, and obviously Lamar, we saw Lamar. Like, that's, he's a special player. He's going to win the MVP. Mahomes or Josh Allen would scare me more in the Super Bowl for the same reason Mahomes beat you last time, right? You can have the better team. You can have the better defense. You can have the better run game. That coach can go toe-to-toe with your coach, which the other two coaches I don't think do, but Andy Reid can do that with Kyle. Kicked their ass last year. Don't forget about that game at home. So Kansas City is number one on my list of the teams I don't think the Niners want to see. And I know they don't necessarily look like it, but just imagine what it feels like if that team wins at Buffalo, at Baltimore, and then here's the guys that kicked your ass last year and stole your Super Bowl from you the last time. Right. And it's Andy Reid with an extra week. What? Right. Andy off a of bye, right? And it's Mahomes. So I go, I go Kansas City one, Buffalo two, Baltimore three. Houston four in terms of like the, the last team that yes. you want to face. Um, and that's understanding that Baltimore, like Baltimore took it from them when they played this year, Baltimore beat them. Uh, I would pick the Niners in a rematch with them though. I would too, as long as what it's do you think who's your number one. So uh, you've ranked, you stacked it exactly the way I would stack it to be totally honest with you. And I know that that doesn't make for great back and forth banner or yelling at each other, but I agree with you implicitly. I think that Mahomes and Andy Reid and the best defense they've had can probably, again, it feels like Mahomes is playing the other team and his own wide receivers at at certain points in time. Um, He's still a, just, he's a monolithic figure of excellence. He really is. So I would be afraid of that. And then Buffalo, just lots of weapons everywhere. Lots of momentum coming in. Should they be and that? They'd be riding what a 10 game winning streak if they were to reach the Super Bowl or nine, whatever it is. So that would be something to be concerned about. And then again, Baltimore. Yeah, uh, they're very good. I'm not trying to discredit them, but I would like the Niners in a little bit of a let's see if they don't step all over their own dicks rematch like they did in the first uh, Christmas evening, Christmas night game. Um, And then with all due respect, a very good but still ahead of schedule Houston team comes in, you know, fourth out of four. So um, you and I see that the same way. It's it's a very interesting day around the NFL because a few decisions that I thought would be made quickly as 
two NFC East teams are trying to what? Win the race to the rights to negotiate with Bill Belichick? Because I don't see him taking that Falcons job now that these other jobs could be coming open. But it is a it is a hats in hands day afternoon in the NFL for both Nick Sirianni and Mike McCarthy. Do you think either one of those coaches survives that meeting? Uh, Wait, you say Mike McDaniel? No, no, no. Mike McCarthy. Oh, Mike McCarthy and Sirianni? And Syria, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So today they're both having the please don't fire me. I've got more to prove meetings with their owners. I got to go against the odds, which you would say at least one of them's got to make it right. I don't think either one of them should make it. I think it's been clear for more than a season that neither one of them is up to the task of winning a Super Bowl. I thought last year the Eagles should have seriously considered hiring one of their assistant coaches that was about to leave them. And the reason for them is their head coach can't solve their problem for them. If he's not going to have a physical, tough team, well, then he better be one of the coordinators, and he's not one of those. They already tried to make him the OC, Damon. It was year one. They took play calling from him. That organization has had to change coordinators midstream twice in the last three years. That's bad. And on top of that, they're not tough. They don't tackle. I was watching the Manning cast the other night, Dave. Have you watched much of the Manning cast? I have. Yeah, it's good. Ray Lewis was beside himself. He's like, what are these guys doing on defense? They can't tackle. Why can't they tackle? Look at these angles. This is awful. And then you hear, you know, you get the, uh, now I don't know, Javon Hargrave's comments about basically they, we don't really practice hard in Philly and we practice hard here. I'm not sure if that's a reflection on Sirianni or just the Eagles organizational philosophy on, you know, rest days and that sort of thing. But, I think they got to change coaches, and I think Dallas has to. I think they have to if they want to. Jerry's eighty-one years old. I don't think he's given. He's getting. He's not getting sick of giving post-game press conferences, but he's getting sick of giving post-game press conference after playoff losses. Right, the same one every year. The same one every year. They did the thing where they changed. They gave the coach the play calling duties this year, and it got. They scored a bunch of points. Congratulations, you are the point differential champions. But you look the same in the playoffs. And then you've got this incredible, what if they hired Mike Tomlin? What if they hired Bill Belichick? What if they hired Mike Vrabel, right? The, the list of co- Pete Carroll, the list of coaches that are available are sup- all superior to their coach. All of them. Well, not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. No, I, I can't believe Bill Belichick isn't looking for Dallas real estate today. Like, I, I can't believe that Jerry doesn't already have it done. Like, bird in the air, private plane flying to New England about halftime of that loss to the Packers. I, I'm surprised it's not already done. Um, it is great to catch up with you. We could just keep talking. So what happens now? You just, you just go on without me for another... I, yeah, for a little bit. I've got a dentist appointment, so I'm going to be wrapping it oh. up a little, little quicker than normal here. But before you go, I, I just got to ask you... Um, since we have seen, and again, you're a Pac-12 broadcaster. Don't want to get you in trouble with the network, but the network doesn't have much time, so I don't even know how much trouble you could get in. Um, it, look, the Pac-12 network was a victim of greed in the void of a broadcasting partner that I truly believe would have been found had Dion gotten to Colorado two years before he did. Colorado provided a level of buzz and ratings that the Pac-12 was desperate for, and they get their buzz and they get their ratings after the deal to end the conference was basically in place. Now, I don't know if USC and UCLA would have existed in this Pac-12 
idea that I have. Maybe they do take their ball and go to the Big Ten, but do you think the Pac-12 still exists had Dion reached Boulder a year earlier? I don't know, and the reason is that I think Dion wanted to go to the Big 12. Like, he was a driving force at Colorado because he wanted to be in Texas. He didn't like, you know, he, he frequently kind of complained about some of the start times. Um, but I do think, well, maybe you're right, Damon, because you don't end up kind of behind the eight ball the way they did, right? Ultimately, Dion only had the say that he had because everybody was in sort of a fight for your life and every man for himself uh, situation. But the world in which Dion shows up two years ago, does what he did, Washington goes to a national championship game, Oregon's a national championship contender. Yeah, they they probably get the do they get the $50 million that one of their presidents thought they were worth? Probably not, because that's just not the, the money wasn't there for that. But I do think there probably is a world where where they stay together. There's a lot of things, you know, USC, UCLA, do you negotiate for them a larger share? Um, uh, an outsized cut, which, you know, I think probably would have been easy for people to stomach as it relates to USC, not everybody, but some would, would have been a little harder for people to stomach as it relates to UCLA, just because they have not, you know, they don't have that. They have not shown that football upside, but remember you would have been talking about giving USC an outsized football cut at a time when Clay Helton was coaching the Trojans. Right? <laughs> if, if we rewind two years. Right. Right. Um, but, but like that would have been one of the solutions. Um, so I think there were a lot of solutions. I think there were a lot of problems. Like you go all the way back to the beginning and I thought Peacock getting 23 million viewers the other night was an interesting, it made me think about not the PAC 12 now, but the original PAC 12 and their issue with direct TV, not being able to get on direct TV created, not just a lack of um, distribution, but it created a, a real negative um, kind of narrative that maintained throughout, right? It was always right. the first thing that got brought up and it, and it just, it, it made them an easy target. Some deserve, some not. And, um, you know, 23 million people watching Peacock the other day was another reminder of if you're going to take whatever it is that you do to a new frontier, you have to have enough people that support it to, to jumpstart it, right? Like here's Damon Bruce from radio, 20 years or 30 years or whatever it is in radio in the Bay Area, puts it on YouTube. Oh, people are already on YouTube. Great. It's an easy transition to migrate your people and have them find you. You live on the West Coast. I live on the West Coast. I've lived on the West Coast for a long time. I love the West Coast. It is not debatable that the number of hardcore fans for college athletics and casual fans for college athletics on the West Coast is smaller than it is in Big Ten and SEC country. And the miscalculation was believing that the and I would have I've said this for a long time. Uh, and if I had been in that meeting, I would have said this. If the bet is that people will uh, be so outraged at such a large level that they will force DirecTV's hand, I think it's a bad bet because look at our stadiums. They're smaller than everybody else's stadiums. We just don't have that level of hardcore, that volume of hardcore right. fan. These, these corners of the end zones are empty every week. Who are we kidding? Yeah, you just, they're not, and your tier one games are still available, right? So your best games, if you're a USC fan, you're like, well, I love Sunday ticket. So you're fighting against the NFL. That was the other thing with DirecTV. I got Sunday ticket. And, um, you know, my, the USC UCLA game is still going to be on Fox. Right. So I don't, I don't need to make, I don't need to make that switch. Uh, you know, now look, a, we're in a different era than we were 12 years ago. 
DirecTV subscriptions have dwindled by the moment. Back then it was, you know, probably 20 million subs. Now they're probably, I don't know, last I checked, 14 million, but that was six months ago. It's probably lower now. Amazon Prime, they have 70 plus million people that have Amazon Prime video. And of those 70 million, like 55 million of them use it. So last year when Thursday Night Football started and the the advertisers were not happy that Thursday Night Football ratings were down 25% to 9 million viewers. And they were going to, you remember that story at the end of last year, they're going to have to give back some money to these advertisers. Right, right. I was like, guys, everybody, this, don't worry. Adoption and adaptation is here. It's happening. It's fast. We're, you got it. So here's, I got one question for you before we go, Damon. If a Chiefs Dolphins wild card round Saturday night game on Peacock did 23 million viewers and a Super Bowl, does 100 million viewers. And we know that if you put it on broadcast television, despite what most of us who are on the internet think, it will get a higher rating on ABC than it does at ESPN. So what would be your number if they put the Super Bowl on Peacock this year? And you know, 23 million watch wildcard and 100 million watch on Fox or whatever it was last year. How many people would you predict would watch the Super Bowl Peacock exclusive this year? What'd be your number? It'd be north of a hundred million. Well, you think they'd outrate broadcast? Well, no, I mean, no, but like broadcast drifts into like a hundred and seventy million, doesn't it? I, I, I guess I don't I, know enough about. I think the broadcast is around a hundred. I okay. think it's around a hundred. So um, my guess was like six. I think I, I, my guess is like sixty-five or seventy. I think it'd be bigger than people think. You'd still have a hundred million eyeballs on it, though. Just not everyone's buying so? it. You'd have people going over to their buddy's house. Yeah. Their buddy had Peacock. It would lurk, work a little bit more like I'm going to a sports bar to watch it at my friend's house. I would like to know the number of how many people canceled Peacock the following Sunday after that wild card game. I did it Monday. See, we got to keep it because Jillian's addicted to Real Housewives of Everywhere, and that's Low deck. Yes, so that's we have a Peacock house because Jillian needs her Bravo fix. Um, you know, look, it's only a matter of time if people are willing to plump down ninety nine dollars to watch Jake Paul fights, Logan Paul fights. That's exactly right. Of course, the Super Bowl will it's do a paper, very well. Make it a pay per view. The when you all, look, all the NFL has to do is realize where's their more money. The the whole like, well, the real value in the NFL is the monolith that it casts over the culture. It will still cast that over the culture, whether it's on Peacock or not. Right, right. Um, it that's going to happen, and it's just a matter. Look, the NFL would gladly lop off four million fans for five million more dollars. It's just the way it goes. They'd, the NFL couldn't care about one of us, not none of us. They want most amount of money possible for every game being displayed. And as soon as they can know for a fact we're going to make more money over here than over there, they're going over here. It's just and, that simple. And, and the other thing we know is the eyeballs. Eyeballs will follow. Yeah, the true death nail of network television, should that ever happen. I mean, football truly is the lifeblood of network television. Network television doesn't exist without football these days. So um, have there ever been harder, bigger shoes to fill than Nick Saban shoes? In the history of sports, in the history of sports, have you ever maybe not wanted that job because you cannot win in that job. And I love the fact that Kalen DeBoer's taken it on that Indiana's 2021 like coaching staff is now the lifeblood of Alabama football. I never had that on my bingo card, but that's the way it's going down. Um, 
and, and by the way, I'm completely adopting Alabama now. I'm going to go get a graduate degree. Roll Tide. I'm tired of losing with the Hoosiers every single Hey, Kalen DeBoer is yours and mine, Indiana and Fresno State. That's right. Oh, dude, we have... We have something in common, even more than we even imagined. That's right. Go dogs. Um, uh, I'll tell you this. The single greatest statistic of my lifetime is that Tony Gwynn could have gone O for his last thousand at bats and still been a career 300 hitter. I think it's been trumped by this, that Saban had more players drafted in the first round than he had losses at Alabama. I saw them the other day. I could not believe that. That I, I read that out loud to my wife. She doesn't give a shit about any of this. She's just, she's like, thanks for telling me. I was I I had to read. Someone else had to hear it. I, I like I had to prove that I was reading the sentence right. I had to okay. say it out. So your Mount Rushmore of crazy stats. We've got that. What was the other one you just said? Tony Gwynn could go Tony Gwynn. over a thousand in his last three hundred. No, over a thousand in his last at bats and still be a three hundred lifetime header. We've got Kyle and the other. We got Kyle Shanahan zero and thirty eight in games in which he trails eight points or more in the fourth quarter. It is absurd, but I did a little research on that. Yeah, we know that the win rate under the same scenario league wide since Shanahan has been the coach has been. Six percent. Yeah. So, but still, this is it's wild. Right. It is wild. Six yeah. is a lot higher than zero. They are. That is amazing. That's Six is a lot higher than zero. All right. And and so we just need to find a fourth stat to go on the Mount Rushmore of. Uh, I put how that about, one up there. How about this? This will give us a reason to talk again before too long. I'd I'd love to join you and John at some point. You ever need a guest on what you do? Uh, it is so good to have you here. How is John doing, by the way? Is he just crushing like 36 holes in Tito's and sodas yes. every single day in Scottsdale, yep. just living the life that I can't even identify with anymore? Are you a golfer? Yes, he is living that. He is living that life. That is Not a golfer. I've no, ever since El Stroco Loco, I've got no coordination on my left-hand side. I can't, I, I would, it's like Smales. You cut the back of his Achilles, he'll push everything. I just... Uh, he'll quit the game. So yeah, I just, ever since El Stroco Loco, I've got, I can't even bowl, John. I can't even approach a bowling alley and roll the ball with any coordination. It's, I've never been much of an athlete. I'm certainly less than one now. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it, they, they took your prime. They took they, your athletic oh, prime, David. Robbed it from me. Robbed, like the Warriors are robbing Steph Curry of his prime. Folks, he's not in his prime anymore. You have to drop that talking point. How about them canceling that game tonight? In Utah. Yeah, you know, my, my wife's in Salt Lake City, and she texted me last night because she's there for a conference and told me that there were some people at the at the restaurant where I'm not going to – I don't want to – Right. Um, but she ta- I te- she texted me last night and said something happened and gave me the details, and it was sounded pretty scary. Um, and uh, I just got a text from – I guess there's a, a European basketball website reporting that he passed away. I don't know if that's true, but I – I just Euro hoops, Euro hoops apparently is reporting that it's, I haven't seen it. I just got a text right. message from a well, friend. So I hesitate to say that, but here's the thing. Yeah. We're, we're not trying to break any news here. We don't do that. We're lowercase J journalists, but I will talk a little bit about this story, but I know you got to get running, man. I said, we do about a half an hour and I knew we wouldn't, I knew we would, which was fine. I didn't want to only do 25 Damon. So it's, this, was, this I, was awesome. I made us go longer. Thank Great you. Catch up with you. Let's do Great it again. See you. Sometime. Okay. Good thank you for you. having me. Guy Haberman, boys and girls. Damon Bruce. There he is. That's our guy. Finally, we worked together. It happened. Of course, radio had to die for us to come to life together, but it they, lo- they lowballed me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Take care. See you, dude. There he is. The one and only guy, Haberman. Freaking love that guy. I mean, it, the show that he's done with John Middlecoff, 
has been my favorite Bay Area sports talk show for years. And then when it was off the radio, I followed them. I listened to their podcast just about every week it comes out. I watch their videos together on YouTube. Those two together, I just think are, are fantastic. They bring out the best in each other. They're very complimentary. <clears throat> and it was great to have them on. I uh, thought it would be the perfect guest in the middle of the week. I'll tell you that tomorrow on Thursday, the uh, plan is to have a... Uh, uh, um, an insider from Milwaukee, Bart Winkler, um, is a, a hell of a, a sports talk show host in the Milwaukee area, big Packers guy. And we're going to have him on to talk about, uh, the game as it is coming up. I think I'm going to be, uh, rolling a few other things out this weekend. Of course, we've got, uh, a nine or, well, I can't call it Niners wake up. We'll get sued, but wake up with Damon and Larry is going to go down on Friday at 8 AM. We're going to be back on Sunday day after maybe we'll push it back to nine. We have to figure that one out, but it was great to, uh, have Guy Haberman come on in today. And I hope you enjoyed it, uh, as much as I did. Um, the story that we were talking about with the Warriors, if you have not heard, it's certainly serious, serious enough to where in my entire time covering sports, I can I cannot remember a team ever asking for a game to be postponed due to a medical event to an assistant coach. But something incredibly serious happened to uh, Dijon Milojevic. And he is their coach. He's 46 years old. He is a big man's coach. He coaches forwards and centers. And he's been on the Warriors staff now for a couple of years. And just right out of the story from ESPN, assistant coach Dijon Milojevic uh, has been hospitalized after a sudden and serious health issue at a restaurant in Salt Lake City Tuesday night. The 46-year-old had traveled with the Warriors for Wednesday's game against the Utah Jazz. The NBA announced that the game has been postponed because of a medical emergency in the Warriors' family, and a makeup date will be announced at a later time. Now, Guy just said he got a text that says maybe he is sadly shuffled off this mortal coil. Again, something incredibly serious happened. So serious that the team was left in a state of, man, that's going to stay with us for longer than we have until game time. Can we just, can we just get this game canceled or postponed? And the NBA has agreed. So Something very, very serious happened. If you're inclined to uh, say a prayer for someone, say a prayer for Dijon Milojevic, and um, it sounds like he could use all of the prayers that he could get right now and hopefully is receiving the the very best medical coverage that uh, that the NBA can offer, that Salt Lake City can offer. But that's very serious. And again, I can't I cannot think just going through the mental Rolodex of sports memories in my mind, a single, assistant coach medical issue ever postponing a game. So very, very, something very, very serious happened. And, you know, we can talk about the, the, the Warriors and the struggle of their season and all these things, but then something like that happens and you realize it's just a game and none of that matters. And hopefully he's, he's all right. But, uh, doesn't sound like everything is is all right. That's for sure. So um, 
we got a lot of people chatting today. We got a lot of people in here saying hello to each other, chatting. We want to go ahead and say hello to you too. Uh, want to welcome in a brand new member. Uh, oh, oh, who we we've got? Uh, hold on, let me let me tell you who it is. Let me tell you who our brand new member, Tara Lynn. Tara Lynn, thank you very much. She is now among the initiated, as. Uh, as our, our good friend uh, Stacy Leo said, the women of the plus continue to grow. When I told a lot of you that Haberman was going to be on the show, you might have thought, well, it's Michelle Haberman, her and Guy Haberman, not related. Um, by the way, Habercoff from noon, from uh, 10 to 12 was great radio. It really was. I would listen to them driving in. And just to let you know that I don't run from bad beats, uh, here's 82 Atlantic who said my Hoosiers were going to get their butts kicked, and they did. They embarrassed themselves at home against Purdue, Zach Eady. Look, he gets a ridiculous whistle for a guy as big as he is, but I'm not complaining because that was awful. The game was on Peacock, so the whole world didn't see that embarrassment. I did. My two buddies who came over did, and we're not happy, and... I don't want to go turning my back on Mike Woodson. Not now, not yet, but God, I don't like it. I don't like what I'm seeing out of a coach who doesn't seem to understand his own team. G Martinez says, uh, bye-bye, Sirianni. Do we have, is, is there any news there? Did that break, or are you just thinking, assuming? Let me open up ESPN.com real quick. No. Pacers to get Siakam in trade with Raptors is the breaking news that I see here. Siakam going to the Pacers for Bruce Brown, Jordan Norwa, and three first-round picks. You know what? Good for the Pacers. Why not? A team's been, you know, they, they, they never get to they never get to add any major free agent. Nobody wants to go to Indiana and free agency. So they got to make aggressive trades if they want it. Good for the Pacers. And also good for the Warriors, because I don't think they had a package to put together for Siakam, to be completely honest with you. Uh, what do we got? Go oh, you know what? It's, it's official. I need to just say thank you very much for, for joining us today. We're going to hop into Club Plus. If you were listening on the podcast, I certainly hope you enjoyed Guy Haberman today. Thank you very, very much. And please remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.